0: I was at a wedding there, that was Pachelbel's Canon, and Seek Ye First the Kingdom of God. That's uh, my walking music usually when I come out to do a wedding. I guess I've come out more to Pachelbel's Canon than any other song. If you have your Bibles today, turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. The title of today's message is Advice to the 2013 Graduates from the Magna Cum Laude Graduate of the Class of 940 B.C and I really want to apologize to him because he really was summa cum laude. Uh, cum laude means with honors, and magna cum laude means with large honors, and then summa cum laude means with highest honors. Uh, the reason I wasn't real familiar with that is I didn't get any of those. I, I, got, I graduated praise the laude, and uh, I still got, the, still got the diploma from all the graduations, but uh, that's the only uh, laude on that is praise the laude. So, uh, but this man certainly is qualified to give these graduates advice. And you say, well, I'm not a graduate. Well, listen, let me just tell you a little, little secret. What's good for the graduates is good for everybody else. Amen. It doesn't matter where you are because the word of God is applicable to everybody. So let's stand in honor of the reading of God's word. This is the word of the living God from Ecclesiastes chapter three. There is an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to avoid embracing. A time to search and a time to count as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. May God add his blessings to the reading of his holy word. You may be seated. You know, there are three passages I use most often in a funeral service. I use Psalm 23, which is the good shepherd. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. And I also use John 14, one through six, In my father's house are many mansions. And most of the time when I use this passage, it's because I'm doing a funeral for someone that I did not ever meet in life. And I had to learn something about them from their family to be able to conduct their funeral. And sadly, I probably use this passage more than any other because about 60 to 70% of the funerals I do are for people I have never met in my life. But this passage is applicable because it talks to all of us. Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. God appeared to Solomon in a vision and said, whatever you ask for, I'll give it to you. Now, if I asked you graduates, if I told you graduates, I could give you anything that you want, uh, what do you think you'd ask for? Well, some of you would ask for money, some of you would ask for popularity, uh, some of you would ask for a long and healthy life, and all those things are good. But Solomon didn't ask for that. He said, I have been born to be king of my people And I want to have wisdom and understanding to lead and guide my people, and that's what I want. And God said, because you prayed a most unselfish prayer, you didn't pray it for yourself, but you prayed it for the people you rule over. I'm going to give you those things that you didn't ask for. He did have wealth. Uh, He did have a relatively long life in those days, and he carried the kingdom of Israel to the greatest Uh, limits it had ever been to, and never came back to those limits again. So Solomon was indeed a wise man, and God blessed him not just with wisdom, but with other things as well. But I think these eight things, if you read the books of Solomon, books of Solomon are Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, and Song of Songs. And most of today's uh, texts come from Proverbs, because those were the things that he wrote Uh, during his lifetime, wise saints. He didn't always make wise decisions. Isn't it something that I have to say this, the wisest man who ever lived made some very poor decisions. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. if that wasn't bad enough, the Bible says that in his old age, his foreign wives turned his heart away to serve other gods. But shortly before his death, Solomon came back to God and I'm glad that he did. But here are some things that Solomon would say to all of us today, and especially to the graduates. First of all, and this is of utmost importance, get to know God. In Ecclesiastes 12.1, he says, so remember your creator in the days of your youth. And in Proverbs 1.7, he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, I'm not just talking about know that there is a God. I'm talking about get to know God personally get to know God where he knows your name and he calls your name and you hear him when he speaks to you. Uh, God wants to have that kind of relationship with everybody. And some of you may think, well, you're a preacher and sure God talks to you. Can I tell you that God spoke to me before I ever was a preacher? Uh, God spoke to me to call me into the ministry. If you don't have the kind of relationship where God speaks to you and you speak to God, then you have not done what this says to do. Get to know God. You know God when you speak to God and he hears your voice and God speaks to you and you know his voice. So get to know God. Don't let baptism or church membership or praying a prayer at a religious gathering uh, cause you to say, well, that's how I know God. You need to have a changed life. Uh, My wife will tell you in a heartbeat, Uh, She was changed when she came to know God. She does not remember the day. She does not remember the hour. She doesn't remember if it was at Bible school or in the pastor's office or if it was in a revival service or a church service. She doesn't remember where and when it happened, but she knows that it happened because her life was changed. I know it happened because when I was 16 years of age at a youth camp, In Walker County, Alabama, in a cornfield, I had been living a lie. I had been a hypocrite for seven years. I'd walked the aisle, I'd signed the card, I'd been baptized, but I didn't know God. But in that cornfield, and I can still drive up there if I wanted to today, and I could take you right to the place I remember it that well. My life changed when I went back to school that fall. I got saved in July. When I went back to school, I, there were some of my old friends I just couldn't be with anymore. And, and a lot of my old friends said, something's different about you. You don't talk like you used to talk, and, and you don't do the things you used to do. And I said, that's because I'm different. I had an experience with God. Oh, you got religion. I said, I didn't know such thing. I met Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and he changed my life. If you have not had that kind of experience, get to know God. And then once you know God, let God guide you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Think about him in all your ways and he will guide you on the right path. And I will say this, if you are not consciously aware that God knows you and you know God every moment of the day, there's something wrong with your relationship. It ought to be that, that well. Uh, if something's wrong between me and Mary, I can tell it uh, when I walk in the room. You know, you ladies have very good ways of showing us guys that y'all are unhappy with us. And I walk in the room, and it feels like an iceberg is in there. And it's 75 degrees in the room, and I'm thinking, what's going on here? And so I say to my wife, uh, honey, what's wrong? She nothing. Well, I, I'm an acute observer of people, and I can tell me that something is wrong. And it's probably something I've done. Uh, but we need to, to have the ability to do the same thing with God because God will keep us from doing the wrong things, will help us do the right things if we'll let him guide us. I hope you've taken God into your plans for college or for the military. Uh, I, I think that I'm doing something God did not plan for me to do. And God wants you to know his will more than you do, but find God's will for your life and walk in the way of God's will for your life. Thirdly, watch your words, watch your words, uh, I can't say this enough. Proverbs says the intelligent person restrains his words and one who keeps a cool head is a man of understanding. I can't tell you how many times I have said things that I have regretted. I wish I'd never said them. But the only way to not say them is to put a lock on your lips and a lock on your tongue and a lock on your teeth. And sometimes you have to count to 10. Sometimes you have to count to 100. 100. Sometimes you might go to 200 or 300 or uh, 10,999, uh, but make sure that you don't say anything you'll regret later. You will always uh, regret things that you should not have ever said. So just try to let God put a lock on your, on your and remember, make your words sweet and kind. Uh, The world would be a lot better place if we we did that, if we were more encouraging and less discouraging, and if we did more to build up than we do to tear down. So watch your words. Number four, learn to laugh. Now, I'm not just saying you all laugh all the time, but learn to laugh. I'm not going to tell you to learn to cry. Do you know why? You're going to do that. There will be a time. There's a time to cry, the Bible says. Very plainly, there's a time to weep. And you're going to have those times. But some of you need to learn to laugh. Uh, Some of you, it looks like it's been 10 or 15 years since you laughed. And and, and, I mean, you say, does it show that much? It really does. I mean, you you know, sometimes you walk in a room, and and when you walk in a room, there's people there, and their faces light up. And and sometimes you walk into a room, and there's this face, and it doesn't light up. and, And you wonder, well, the lights are on, but I don't know if anybody's home or not and they're sour as a dill pickle. And if they do say something, it's usually negative, uh, but you need to learn how to laugh. Let me tell you why. Uh, laughter is a medicine. Notice what the Bible says, a joyful heart makes a face cheerful, but a sad heart produces a broken spirit. Now, there are going to be times when you'll have a broken spirit anyway, but learn how to laugh. One of the most interesting stories I've ever heard, and it came from Dr. James Dobson in focused on the family, was a man in California had an incurable disease. He went to the doctor And the doctor even discouraged him any more than he was when he when he went to him. He said, I hate to tell you this, but what you've got is incurable. I hate to tell you this too, but uh, right now there's not any medication we have that'll ease your pain. And so he said, I wish there was more I could tell you, but he said, You're just gonna have to, to bear with this. And so the guy went home and he thought, What am I gonna do? And he thought, Well, you know, I'm feeling down. I need to pick myself up so He started, he turned on his television and started looking and he started watching old television shows that were comedies. Not this new vulgar stuff, but the old shows that were really funny, like I Love Lucy and shows like that. And ladies, y'all won't understand this, I know, but men know this, The Three Stooges. I, I don't know why you ladies have a part of your brain that doesn't think The Three Stooges are funny. I'll sit there watching The Three Stooges and I'm just about to fall out of my chair and roll on the floor and my wife's sitting there going, that is not funny. And I said, "It is fun." He just poked him in the eye. That's hilarious. That wouldn't be hilarious if I did it to somebody. But it, the Three Stooges do it. You know, that's hilarious. But learned to laugh. This guy went home and started watching Three Stooges and old comedy movies. And his wife would hear him in the den just dying laughing. And she would walk in and she'd say, "You okay?" He said, "Yeah, this is funny." And he'd watch it ten times. It'd still be funny. He went to the doctor, and the doctor said, "This is incredible." He said, what do you mean? He said, usually when people come to see me, they want antidepressants. They want the p- most powerful pain pills I can give them. He said, What's, what have you done? He said, well, I've just been watching these old comedy shows. He said, I laugh all the time. And, and he, said, uh, he, he said, that's all I'm doing. And the doctor said, let me, let me, he put him in the hospital, observed him. And sure enough, uh, the VHS tapes had just come out. Some of you didn't know there were such a thing as VHS tapes. Little babies. You read about it in your history book. You know, there was a time when you had to, you had to watch what was on the air, and you couldn't watch anything else, and there were three channels, and they weren't on all the time. Uh, that's television history for you. But, but he was able to watch these programs on a VHS tape. His doctor carried him to a medical convention, and he told the doctors there what had happened. You know, there was an article in Reader's Digest called Laughter is the Best Medicine. And this man was proof of that. So learn to laugh. Uh, Don't laugh all the time, there's a time to be serious, but learn to laugh, Uh, don't go through life uh, without learning to laugh. Uh, Number five, work hard. Uh, I don't know if you planned on hearing me say that today or not, but you heard me say it, okay? Now, why should you work hard? Well, you need to work hard because I'm fixing to retire, and I need y'all to put money in Social Security, and I'm not going to retire next month, but I'll retire sometime. Uh, And and if I die and don't retire, Mary will need the widow's benefit. So y'all go get a job and work. Now, why should you work hard? Notice Proverbs says there's profit in all hard work, but endless talk leads only to poverty. When you work hard, you accomplish things. Now, whether you work hard with your hands or hard with your mind, uh, whatever you do, uh, the Bible says whatever you do, whatever your hand finds to do, do with all your might. And so work hard. There's profit in all hard work. Don't, Don't just look for getting by in life. Because too many people are doing that now. Learn to work hard. And then I'm going to say number six, because I think of all the things I tell you today, uh, this is the one that's probably going to catch most of you. Uh, avoid alcohol, drugs, and pornography. Why? Because they are all addictive. The Bible says wine is a mocker, beer is a brawler, and whoever staggers because of them is not wise. And then Proverbs 13:14 says a wise man's instruction is a fountain of life turning people away from the snares of death. You know, I don't hear much about alcohol from the pulpits anymore. And I found out why. 80% of mega pastors, 80% of pastors of mega churches today are social drinkers. It draws people into their church. You see, I'm standing up here and I'm saying, don't do it. And these guys stand up and say, oh yeah, you can drink, just do it in moderation. Let me tell you what the problem with moderation is. Now, we, we have 10 students right here. Uh, on these first two rows. I've counted them, and there are 10 students here, and, and I could ask them to stand up, and if all 10 of them stood up, and all 10 of them said, Brother Mike, we agree with you, we're going to listen to you, we're not going to drink, we're not going to take drugs, we're not going to go to pornographic websites, we're not going to get hooked on por- pornography, then all 10 of them would avoid all problems with those things. But if I lined up 10 of them up here, and they said, well, Brother Mike, we like you, and you're, you're a nice old fellow, but we don't agree with you about drinking, so we're going to drink. We're, we're not going to drink to excess. We're just going to be social drinkers. You know what's going to happen? There are ten of you now. I want you to see this. Ten of you. Four of you are going to have your lives ruined because of alcohol. Two of you will probably become alcoholics or be married to an alcoholic. And two of you are either going to be a problem drinker or be married to a problem drinker. Now, that's, that, that's you know, it's your choice You have a 40% chance of having problems if you drink. You have a 100% chance of not having problems if you don't drink. And if you look for that in a spouse. Uh, And by the way, drugs mean prescription drugs as well. Now, John, where'd you go? There you are. You're going to follow my son into pharmacy, all right? And Jake's made a good living as as a pharmacist. I tell people, one of my sons sells copper and the other one sells drugs. Both of them are kind of shady today. You know, there's a lot of money in copper. But, and, uh, and one of my sons sells copper. The other one sells drugs. But they do it legally. They, they have a permit to do that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an epidemic of prescription painkillers. And when you have pain, you want to take drugs. But listen, you're going to have some pain in life. There's never going to be a life that you live totally without pain. Learn to take some pain. Don't get hooked on pain-killing drugs, and certainly don't do drugs for recreation. You don't know what you're going to get into. But avoid alcohol, drugs, and pornography. A wise man's instruction is a fountain of life, turning people away from the snares of death. Solomon uses the word snares there, which means to trap an animal. And that's exactly what alcohol, drugs, and pornography do. It traps people in a prison of addiction. Number seven, live beneath your means. I wish somebody had told me this when I was a high school graduate, and to be honest with you, they may have told me this and I just didn't listen, but I wish I had listened. Uh, We have a program called Financial Peace University, and uh, Bruce and Ken teach it, and it's a wonderful program. Mary and I went through it, and uh, just this last April, had a wonderful experience. Uh, I went down to Compass Bank and gave them the last payment on Mary's car, and a few days later, I got a thing in the mail. It wasn't a bill. It was a check for $10 because they charged me $10 too much interest and a title to the car. I have three car titles. We have three cars. I have three car titles. I don't know anything on, on a car for the first time since 1974. That's nearly 40 years. Man, I want to tell you, and I see these car ads, you can buy this car for 0% interest for 60 months. And your payments are still going to be $600 a month, but it's zero in. Listen, debt is a trap, and learn to live beneath your means. Here's a, a, good, a good rule. Debt is not your friend. Learn the principle of delayed gratif- gratification. Try to live by this formula. Give 10% to God, save 10%, and live on the other 80% or less under God's direction. You need to pray about every dollar. As a Christian, I mean this. Some of you are not doing this. Some of you are sinning against God. You see, if he's Lord of all, then he's Lord of your debt as well, and he wants you to reduce that debt. Uh, I still haven't paid my house note off, but I'm getting there. I can see light at the end of the tunnel for the first time in many, many years. Hopefully, we'll be able to pay that off before we both retire. But live beneath your means. We've certainly been doing that, and we've certainly been a lot happier and a lot less stress on our lives since we've been doing that. And you can do it. It can be done. It may take time, but it, t- it takes work. But live beneath your wings. means. And then lastly, enjoy life, but remember there will be a test, okay? Some of y'all just took your last test in high school. Some of you were so smart you didn't have to take your test, weren't you? Uh, they still let you do that. If you have a certain grade point average, you, have to, you don't have to take your test. That's what Jake got to do. I was so jealous of him. Uh, of course, I would have still had to take my test because I didn't have the grades when I was in high school, even if they'd had that way back then. But, and by the way, you know what the worst problems in my school when I graduated were? What we had to worry about? Shooting spitballs. You say, Brother Mike, surely you did. Yeah, I did. I, I did it. You know, I, I mean, I've done it all. I, I did the little spitballs where you take, you take a straw and then you chew little pieces of the paper and get it good and soggy. and Then stick it in the straw and see somebody, you, say, you know, Pff! you go spit wad, hit him behind the ear. <laughs> that was funny. I even learned how to make one that was like a shotgun. It had this hollowed-out tube, and you pump it up and get the pressure inside of it, and then you pull it back, and it shoot. I mean, it shoots something. Then nearly knock you down when it hits you. you See, I bet you got. Yeah, I did. I've been there and done that. I, the principal has applied the board of education to the seed of knowledge many times from shooting spitball. That was the big problem shooting spit. I did do that before. I did it before I got saved. After I got saved, I quit shooting spitballs. I thought it might be sin. The other problem we had was running in the halls. Now, I'm not guilty of that. In fact, (laughs) I have never liked to run in my life. I I was a three-sport athlete in school. I played baseball, I played basketball, and I played football. And you know what the punishment was when you messed up at practice? Take a lap. I heard 50,000 times, Shaw, take a lap. Shaw, take a lap. When I see people running today, I think, what have they done wrong? (laughs) These skinny people out there running, got little old tiny shoes, little old tiny shorts, and little old tiny shirt on, and they're just running. And I'm thinking, what did y'all do wrong? Somebody's punishing you. If you ever see me run, you better start running because something bad is chasing me. (laughs) I promise you that. I don't know what it'll be. It Maybe a tsunami or a bear, but if I'm running, you better run too, because it'll get you too. Those were the problems I had, when I had in school spitballs and running in the halls. Drugs, guns, knives, bullying. Those are the things going on today. Times have changed. And then lastly, enjoy life, but remember there will be a test. Rejoice, young man, while you're young, and let your heart be glad in the days you... I hope that you'll do that. Whether you're going to college, going to the military, remember, enjoy life. But then also remember, walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all of these things, God will bring you to judgment. There will be a test. There'll be a test for me. Yesterday morning, I got waked up at 4.30. we like to sleep late on Saturday when we can because we have to get up early on Sunday to come to church, start at 8 o'clock. So we like to sleep a little late on Mary works five days a week. Uh, So we like to sleep a little late on on Saturday. But yesterday morning at 4.30, there was a howl that came up from our living room uh, since back in early. uh, I can't remember. I'm so addled now. April, our dog had puppies, had eight little lab puppies. We've had eight puppies in our living room since then and yesterday morning there was a howl that went up like I'd never heard. I knew something bad had happened. I went out, and this little lab puppy had escaped. How he got out of the box, I don't know, but he was having a time. He was just running around the room, and all of his brothers and sisters were jealous, and they were crying at the top of their lungs, let us out, let us out, let us out. I didn't do that. I got him, put him back in. That shut him up. Mary got up, and I said, well, since we're up, let's go ahead and take care of him. So we went ahead and changed out all the papers, and fed them, and fed the mama dog, and uh, about 7 o'clock we sat down after working with them for that long and I said, I don't know about you but I'm ready to go back to bed. She said, I am too. So we went back to bed at 7 o'clock. 9.15 the doorbell rings. Now I sleep in a pair of uh, uh, gym shorts. Gym, gym shorts with, a, one of these, with strings on the waistband. I, I, I sleep in gym shorts. I don't wear a shirt. I know that's a gross picture but I don't wear a shirt. <laughs> I'm not going to invite you into my bedroom. Okay, just. Mary, Mary has to come in. You don't have to come in. All right. Pray for her. She sees that every night. All right. So I get up, I get up, I look for a shirt to put on. I find the shirt, I throw a shirt on. I go to the door, I open the door. There are these two nicely dressed African-American men and they have a brochure in in their hand. And they said, we want to tell you about the new world that's coming. And I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm glad you're here today because I got reservations to go to a new world. They said, you do. And they said, how'd you get those reservations? I said, I got on my knees, I asked God to forgive my sins, I turned from my sin, I turned to Jesus Christ, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I confessed Him before men, I was baptized in water, and I'm a disciple, I'm following Him today, and when I die, I'm going to heaven. And you know what they said? They said, you sound like you're sure. And I said, oh yeah, I'm sure. Now I'm standing there with my head all, my hair's all spiky looking, <laughs> and I got on a shirt that I found in the floor and a pair of gym shorts, they're out there in suits and ties trying to get me to come to the kingdom hall. And you say, were well, you ugly to him?" No, I wasn't ugly to him. I just, I gave him a witness. And I said, and I asked him, I said, what kind of Bible are you holding there? He said, oh, I have many Bibles. I said, what kind is that? And he said, well, I have many. and he started telling me, I said, wait a minute. I said, I asked you what kind of Bible, he said, that's the new world translation. I said, that's the worst translation of the Bible I've ever seen. I said, because it's not really a translation, the man that translated it just wrote down some words he wanted to put in because he didn't like hell. And I said, I will tell you this, there's a story in the Bible where Jesus said a rich man died and he went to hell and he was in torment. And I said, your Bible won't say that. And he said, well, if he, he was in the grave, I said, oh no, if he was in the grave sleeping peacefully, he wouldn't be in torment. Trust me, he was in torment and unless you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to follow him there. And I said, look, guys, I said, I got up at 4.30 this morning with a bunch of yelping puppies. And I'm just not going to stand here all day and argue with you because you're not going to convert me. And what I've told you, if it hadn't sunk in, I'm not going to convert you. But I said, I just want to tell you, one day both of us will stand before God. And I know what I'm going to say to him. I don't think what you're going to say is going to pass muster. Thanks for coming. I asked him to leave. He said, well, Mike, you were kind of short. I've talked to him for hours before. Doesn't do any good. I shared a witness. I was not ugly. I didn't go back to bed, though. I stayed up. Now, let me ask you this. What will you say when you stand before God? I know what I'm going to say. I'm a sinner. Saved by grace. In my hands, no price I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Young people. Yet to know God. Enjoy life. But remember, there will be a test. And what's good for the graduate is good for every person in this sanctuary today. Do you know him? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your words from Solomon that are so applicable to all of us today. Father, help us to remember that you did give us life to enjoy what you did tell us there will be a test. And you tell us that wood, hay, and stubble will be burned up But gold and silver and precious stones that are tried by the fire will come through even more pure. Father, I pray that these young people before me are gold and silver and precious stones. I pray that one day they'll stand before you as they stand before men and receive a diploma because of what they've accomplished in school. I pray that when they stand before you, they will hear those words that I long to hear. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joys of thy Lord. Father, if there's someone here today that's not saved, someone here that needs a church home, someone here that needs to be baptized, someone here that has been walking with you but has turned aside and is following afar off like Simon Peter was, let them come today to say, I want to walk closely by my Savior. Father, this is your time in the service. Speak to our hearts. And Lord, I pray we will respond as you speak to us. For Jesus' sake, amen.